We've been talking about life assurance. That's what this book is about. How can I know that I'm a Christian? John structures this book by pointing out the assurance we can have through using dualisms. He contrasts light and darkness. He contrasts life and death, love and hatred, obedience and disobedience. And today, he has another one in mind for us. He's going to contrast contrast truth and lies. So far, we've really concentrated on how much it matters how you behave. But today, we really want to concentrate on it matters what you believe. And I can tell you this. If you want to have life insurance, you have to have both. Both matter. They cannot be separated. It is not beliefs without behavior, and it's not behavior without beliefs. It is not one or the other. It is both. That's important because today we live in a culture that says to us on a regular basis, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere and you live a good or a nice life. It's kind of like if you're part of the family or a Brady Bunch kind of a person, you know, you're going to be okay. Because in our world, truth is relative, namely that anymore you get to decide what truth is. One author I read called it hyper-individualism where it's all about us, and we define everything, even truth and what it is and all of its applications. We live in, as one author said, a postmodern world, which means this. There are no absolute truths anymore. There is no right and wrong. It all is based on individual opinion. So therefore, it's not uncommon in our society today that you would hear, since there really isn't any truth, then don't judge anyone But so contrast to what our text says today. Verse 21 says, There is no lie that is of the truth. And and the Bible is very, very clear and powerful in its explanation that there is truth and there are lies and there are differences between the two. There are truth and lies about gender. Our world has willfully become blind to that today that any longer we don't differentiate between man and woman, but the Bible does. Truth and lies about sexuality, about racism. Truth and lies about what salvation really is and how you can have eternal life. Truth and lies about marriage and origins and women's roles in the church and psychology. They're all under attack today because our world basically has decided that there is no standard of truth. There is no absolute truth. It's whatever truth that you want it to be. See, John comes to his people that he has been teaching and writing to, and he says in verse 18, children. He calls them children. This is a little different than children that he's called them, that word, that vocative up until this time, because children in this word, it means this, people who are growing and being trained in a process. See, that's us this morning. All of us as Christians are growing. We're believing. We're seeking to progress in our understanding of what God's word says and therefore how we should live. And he says it's important because if you want to keep growing, you got to know the truth. And then he says something even more powerful. He says it is important because of the day in which we live. You see little verse 18? Look at your text. It is bracketed by the little phrase, the last hour. It starts verse 18 and it ends verse 18. And it's the only time in this epistle that that little phrase, the last hour, is used. It's the Greek word eska, which we get eschatology from. 
the study of last things. And in just a moment, he's going to tell you about Antichrist. He's going to tell you about the Antichrist that are in our world. He wants you to think this morning. Truth is important. It is incredibly valuable. It is absolutely crucial because of who you are and when you are living. See, for all of us this morning, according to Scripture, we live every hour in the last hour. We are living in the time period between the time Jesus came the first time and when he's coming the second time. And see, listen, the rapture could happen at any moment. And we need to know how to live last hour living, John says. We need to know because we are surrounded by people that would distort the truth on all kinds of levels. So if you want to keep growing, children, you have to keep knowing You have to keep reminding yourself of the truth. And I can tell you there is no day more than our day that that truth is absolutely necessary. John would want us to ask, I believe, and you'll see it as you read the text with me, last hour lies, how do we live them? And how do we detect last hour liars? Well, you need a lie detector test. Not a physical one, but a theological one. I did a little research about lie detector tests. They used to be called polygraph, but they monitor you if you're telling the truth or not. They ask you a series of questions and they hook you up to a machine and it monitors your blood pressure and your pulse and your respiration and even your skin conductivity, which I didn't know anything about. But they put those little things, the pads on the end of your fingers, and then they can even monitor the rises and change of your, this, the energy your skin puts off if you are lying or whether you're telling the truth. And so it used to be that it was kind of a science that they were working on, and, and years past, about 80% accurate. But now they say they have it to about 95 to 98% accurate. So I know someone who works in the FBI, and I have under here this morning, they let me have one of their machines. So I would like to have someone who would come up and be the... Any any volunteer? No, right? You're not going to do that, are you? It's a little scary, isn't it? Can I tell you this? It's It's more scary that we would have lies going on outside of our church, and perhaps at times, if we're not careful and down the road inside of our church, and they're undetected because lies devastate. They do. John wants us to know this morning in no uncertain terms that we need to give the lie detector test. We need to give the truth test to everything that is said inside and outside of our church. So John's going to unpack it, and it's going to do it like he always does. It's just the negative and the positive. He's going to tell us, here's how you detect lies And here's how you detect truth. So there are three lie detector tests in verses 18 through 25, if you're marking this down and following me, right? And to make it a little simpler, I made it memorable memorable this morning. Three Ds. Yeah, three Ds, right? We're going to show, then there are going to be two A's about truth detecting. So I'm going to tell you how you can look at lies and how you can figure them out so you're not deceived by them. And then I'm going to tell you, here's two A's so you can know whether you are living the truth or not, all right? So let's take them one at a time. Lie or liar, lies or liar, that phrase, those two words are used about uh, eight times in 1 John. True and truth even more, 14 times. It's no It's no accident. John wants us to say, it's time for you to get serious about whether you know truth and you know lies. 
Now, this is not something, right, right. This is a review lesson for the people he's writing. He says, I write unto you not because you don't know this. So listen, if you think, Pastor Walker, oh, I've sat in church for a long time. I've got a Bible. I, read, I know this stuff. John says, it doesn't matter. We need to be reminded all the time about what truth is all about and what is a lie he said, you know why? Because they have heard that Antichrist is coming. Antichrist, many think, is the same person who is the beast in Revelation 13 in the tribulation period. He's also been identified as the man of lawlessness in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Antichrist is coming, and there's a future day when he will be revealed on this planet. But John says, I'm not worried about that one right now, singular. I'm worried about plural Antichrist. Four times only in the New Testament the word Antichrist is used, and all four of them are in this text. You want to know about the Antichrist? This is the Bible verses for you. He says it's not, see, we need to be concerned about the future one, but even more so, what about the present ones? The ones that are against, anti, against Christ, false Christ. See, see, the ones that we have now, before the tribulation starts, before the, the Antichrist comes, we need to be concerned about them. They're precursors that are pointing to the real one that is to come. And he wants us to know that it can be absolutely deadly and dangerous. And he says that by using a contrast. Look in your text. In verses 18 and 19, he puts this pronoun Stark contrast together. It's they versus us. There are six they's and five us's. They do this, this is us. This is them, this is us. Back and forth, back and forth. And he says, here's what the first D is. Here's the first lie detector test. It's departure. See, they depart from the church. They depart from the faith. They were once in the church. They were people who sat in pews like you do. And they said that they believed orthodoxy. They believed the apostolic teaching. See, they believed all those things. They would have considered themselves at one point to be orthodox. But they strayed from it. They departed from it. And I could give you extreme examples, and you know them of time past. Jim Jones in Guyana, David Koresh in Texas. I mean, we could have a litany, couldn't we, of people that we've listed that we would say, wow, extreme craziness going on. That would, I would never fall for those lies, of course. Right? But see, here's the truth. It's more subtle than that. It's deceptive because people depart from it. And can I tell you this? Listen, you know how Satan works in Faith Baptist Church and all other churches? It's not always what you think. You know how Satan comes after us? He doesn't just attack us from the outside with the world and all it's like and its allurements and temptations and all that. That is absolutely true. But you know what? He also attacks from the inside. See, we're not careful about who we read and who we listen to and, and the things that we watch on TV and the people that we follow and what we're hearing. See, he likes to mellow the truth. He likes to, can I say, dilute the truth. And people begin listening to it. And little by little, see, people begin to wonder what the truth really is. And some of them depart the church, not because they left here and went to another Bible-believing church. No, they left here and don't go to church. They left here and don't believe the Bible anymore. And if you don't think that's real, I could give you name after name as a minister. I have seen it happen 
over and over again, not just here, other places. And I can tell you people that I've told you before that were deacons in my church who now consider themselves atheists. They depart from, see, that's the first thing, departure. See, they're not with us. They don't cling to orthodoxy anymore. They're not practicing the truth. They don't even believe the Bible anymore. Or they believe it in a a way that is completely wrong in its understanding and interpretation That's the first D. The second D is in verses 20 through 25. It's the denier test. Verse 22 says, who is a, strong word, ready? Not mine. This is John. This is inspired by God. Who is a liar? Because that's what they are. Antichrists are liars. Who's a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? See, it's a theological lie detector test. You have to believe certain things about God and Jesus. And he says it three times. They deny that he's the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who the one who denies. A third time. Three times in those verses. Here's what marks them. Deny, deny, deny. See, people who deny are people who know the truth. It's not that they've never heard it. It's not that they've had messages. It's not that they don't know the gospel. It's not that they've never read the scriptures. They know the truth. But they have chosen to deny it. And it's not just any truth. It's not a secondary truth. It's a primary truth. It's a core truth. It's not whether what Bible version that we're going to use. It's not about, hey, what worship music should we have at church today? It's not about personal separation issues. No, we're talking about core beliefs. We're talking about whether Jesus is really God. We're talking about deity. And they deny it although they may not have always denied it. Chapter 4 and verse 1 of 1 John says, There are many, many false prophets who have gone out into the world. And listen, they're all around us, and you may have been accustomed to it, but they are there and they come to your front door, don't they? And Joseph Smith and Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, all of them believe that Jesus is God, little g, I mean, he had a beginning. He, he was created, the first thing. He is not God, co-equal with God, the Father. That's why he says in our text, if you don't believe the Father and the Son, see, if you don't believe in the Son, that he is co-equal with God, that he's the Messiah, that they're, see, he says, you can't believe in the Father and not the Son. Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, they all believe that Jesus was a very good guy, In fact, Muslims don't even believe that Jesus died on the cross because they could never see that happening to someone who claimed to be God. See, they deny the deity of Jesus. Do you get the point yet? Doctrine matters. Truth matters. I read an article this week, and the article's title was Biggest Liars in History. And they had the top five of them. Strangely enough, the top five included two presidents of the United States. Bill Clinton, and next to his picture, it said, I don't inhale. I didn't have an affair with Monica Lewinsky. They said one of the most notorious liars of all. Actually, in all the things I read, he was either number one or number two. Richard Nixon, right at the top. I am not a crook, he said. Lance Armstrong, famous cyclist. you got to watch guys whose name are Lance. Famous cyclist. 
took PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs, lied about it, won seven Tour de France's, right? He won them. And he lost all of them because on Oprah's show, he admitted that he took the drugs the entire career, his entire career. He was a liar. Benedict Arnold, Charles Ponzi. Have you ever heard of Charles? You know Ponzi schemes? That's where it came from. The first shyster, right? Detecting a lie. I wish it was easy. I wish it was easy enough to look back on it's easy enough, right? But when it's happening, when someone's telling you, when you're experiencing it, I wish it was a lie. Like, like when I was a kid, I wish it was a lie because you, ever, you remember when your, kid, your mom and dad told you or you watched the little Disney thing, the Pinocchio thing? You remember that? Every time Pinocchio lied, what happened? Yes. Yeah, no, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Your kids, I told you to go clean your room. I did clean my room. <laughs> did you take out the trash? Yes. <laughs> You remember this? Watch this, watch this uh, Geico commercial. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know Pinocchio was a bad motivational speaker? I look around this room and I see nothing but untapped potential. You have potential. You have... Oh, boy. Imagine that, right? You hear somebody on TV or radio or some preacher or false religious guy, and he says, Jesus was just a good moral teacher, no more. And he goes, oh boy. And isn't, wouldn't that be great? There's only one God, T.D. Jake says, and he takes different forms. That's oneness theology. Modalism. He, you know, there goes his nose. Oh boy. Jesus appeared. The only, he appeared to have a physical body, but he really didn't have one. That's, you know, Gnosticism. So, uh, it wouldn't it be great if you, every time someone was telling a lie about Jesus, about God, about the Bible, that it would be easy to detect them, but it isn't that easy. That's why we have to be people of the truth. That's why we have to read our Bibles. That's why we need to read books and be challenged. And we can't just read popular level, simple, superficial things. We have to get into doctrine and truth. Why? Because your life, can I say it without being dramatic, your eternal life may be about it. So the, see, the, the first D, right, is departure. That's what they have. They leave orthodoxy and thus the church. See, and then they deny things. They deny things that they once might have stood for. They know the truth, but they deny it. And the third one is the deceiver test, verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. See, they take the lies and they deny them, deny the truth, and they start telling you things that have a little bit of truth mixed with it, right? Can I give you, I'm going to give you names this morning. Do not watch, listen, read, have anything to do with these people. Benny Hinn, Joel Olstein, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, Joseph Prince, T.D. Jakes, and more. And those are only false teachers 
in the health and wealth gospel because they teach and believe this, that see, to be healthy and wealthy is the divine right of all Christians. If you're really a Christian, here's what they say God is for you, that you should always be healthy and never sick and you should always have all the money and things you want. Can I tell you this? They are liars. You can't get away with that in very many countries outside of America where we have all the material wealth that we have. Sickness, even suffering, and even poverty can be, and at times all over the world is, part of the Christian life. We are not spared from those things. But they like to mix it with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they want to tell you this if you call in the show. See, they make promises. That's how they get you. That's how, if you'll send us a few Ben Franklins, they say, then we'll send you the anointed prayer towel. And you'll have your, if you pray with this towel, you'll have your prayers answered. Or they tell you this, we promise this, that if you donate to us, we're going to pray that God gives you that new Mercedes that you've always wanted. Or God is going to heal you of your cancer. Now, they don't know who they're talking to on TV. There's a ton of people out there. We don't know, but God's going to heal you as soon as we receive your check. They're lies. And they promise things so they can have your money. But I can tell you this. They are fraudulent. They are counterfeit. They are lies. Have you been to the grocery store or somewhere else where you give them maybe a $20 bill or maybe a 50 or a 100 and they get out this little brown pen? Have you seen that? It's like a marker. And they marker, maybe that's not brown when it starts, but they mark your bill. And if it turns a certain color, then it's authentic, right? See, that's what we have to do. We have to have a pen. So we have to have the Bible counterfeit pen that we test things we test things to see if they're true i had a friend when i was a youth pastor in south st paul minnesota he was a banker and his name was kevin Kuntz. and one day he brought me because i was always looking for something as an illustration so he brought me four one dollar bills i still have them on my desk i've used them up here before they're all four but they have never been separated they were on one sheet of paper and they had been printed but they were not printed by the u.s government they were counterfeits. And he said, hey, look at the, those. Tell me if they're real. And I go, they look real to me. I mean, they felt real. They looked real. I couldn't tell the difference between them. And he says, Lance, if you want to know the truth and whether it's real or not or counterfeit, you don't look at the counterfeit. You look at what's real. He goes, because when you see what is real, you'll be able to know counterfeit a mile away. And he showed me how to do it. See, and then I could. When he showed me, what the real one was, and every little detail. See, then I was able to see, oh, yeah, it's, it seems so obvious. I don't know how I could have missed it. See, that's how we have. See, it's not just in our world as Christians that we look at the counterfeit only. Oh, the world says that. The world does that. And we, we do that. But you know what our world needs? Do you know what your kids need? Do you know what your spouse needs? They need someone they can look at and say, oh, yeah, that's what the truth looks like. They need to see it in you, right? And there are two things. The three D's we had were, right, depart and deny and deceive. The two A's on the other side of the coin about what does truth look like. Two A's. And he used two words, abide and anointed. Look at the Bible text and what it says for us. Verse 24. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. A number, five times, six times, if you count verse 28, it's used. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son of the Father. See, it 
Verse 27, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but his anointing teaches you everything that is true and is no lie. Jesus has taught you, abide in him. See what it says? Abide. It makes sense, right? It means to dwell in. It means to remain. It means to stay there and be steady. See, do you see the counterfeit? See, what they do is they leave. They depart. They leave orthodoxy. They leave the church. Their mark, what marks them is they leave. True Christianity stays. It abides. It dwells. It works it out. Why? How do they do that? Because the other A, they have an anointing. Anointing. It's a play on words, if you could read the original language, because the word Christ itself means an anointing. And Christ is the word for king. So when you see Jesus the Christ, you should think in your mind, Jesus the king, because that's who he is. And why did they say anointing? Because kings were anointed. And the biblical use of the word anointing is people set apart for a very specific role that not hardly anyone else could do. It was used of anointing of a prophet. You could anoint a priest or you could anoint a king. Why? Because they were specially separated by God for a very, very specific purpose. Now today, and I've heard this a lot, that people use that word anointing in a church setting in far different ways than the Bible does. In fact, they use it and say, they use it like a person or event in which there is an awareness or expression of God's presence or power. I have had come, someone came up and told me, Pastor Walker, that was some anointed preaching. Thank you, I think. Well, that was an anointed prayer. I've, I've, I've not had it happen because I can't sing, you know that. But I've had people standing next to people who really sang a great song and someone said, wow, what an anointed song that you sang. And by that they mean that God really used his presence or power in your life expressed in what you did. Unfortunately, that is not how the Bible uses it. And it's actually confusing. Let me tell you why. Because anointing in this passage, normally in the Old Testament, follow me, use prophet, priest, and king. But in Jesus Christ, if you, hear me, if you abide in him, if you abide in him, you follow him, you live his truth, you stay with the stuff. See, if you abide in him, he says, you have an anointing of the Holy One, the Holy Spirit. And whereas in the Old Testament, anointing was only for a select few, but in the New Testament, for all of us today, every one of us who are Christians can be anointed. Why? Because we have the Spirit baptized us. See, we have an anointing from God. God, when you get saved, gives you the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God comes into you and stays in you and remains in you. And the Bible says it's that very Spirit that leads you into all truth. The text is not saying, because I would be out of a job, because you have an anointing and you know truth, that you don't need a teacher. You do need teachers. We all need teachers. It's good to read books and listen to people, the right ones, right? It is good. We do need teachers, but we don't need teachers who teach us things that are contrary to Scripture, and we don't need teachers that teach us things that are beyond the Scriptures, he says, you have the Spirit of God in you, and as you read the Scripture and you listen to good teachers, that allows you and enables you to be able to know the difference between what is true 
and what is a lie? William Tyndale, who lived a couple more centuries ago, he says this, You are not anointed with oil on your bodies anymore, but with the Spirit of Christ in your souls. Which Spirit teaches you all the truth that is in Christ and allows you to judge, listen to this, allows you to judge what is a lie and what is truth. See, you have God's Spirit and you have God's Word in you. And therefore, we have all that we need by God's grace to be able to know the difference. And can I tell you this? We need to take that incredibly serious in the day in which we live. Verse 27 says this, And you abide in the truth, and the truth is in him. Can I tell you the last thing? The last trademark, the second, the A is abiding and anointing. See, here's what he says. If you have the spirit and you have the truth, You need to abide in it, dwell in it. I would tell you this, persevere in it. Endurance, endurance is the mark of being saved. We believe, true Christians believe and keep on believing. I had a person who was a friend of mine years ago who had made a profession of faith at this church. And she was going through a really difficult time in her life. And marriage fell apart. And for her, she would say her life fell apart. And I remember talking to her for about an hour. And as she thought through and worked through or tried to work through the struggles, the pain, the emptiness of all that had happened in her life, she made, started making statements to me. You know, if God would let this happen to me, I don't know if I can believe in him anymore. See, he could have stopped this or he could have done this and he did not. How can I worship and serve a God who would let this happen to me? And I turned the conversation away from that, her problems, what she said were her major problems, to a greater problem because, see, that was tearing her away from Christ. Someone has said this, that our faith, if it fizzles, was not true faith from the beginning. If it can't finish, faith that fizzles because it doesn't reach the finish line is faulty from the first. You know what uh, Paul said at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 7? I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Hebrews 12.1 talks of Jesus and it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen, endured the cross, endured it. And then he tells them a couple verses later, look at how he endured his suffering. See, you endure, he says, because he endured, he has given you the ability to endure yourself. See, sufferings, they don't just mold and make us, they reveal us in our lives. But we need to know the truth, and we need to hold on to the truth, and we need to keep the truth. No matter what comes in our lives, we can't believe the lies. They will wreck our perseverance. When I was a kid, I was read the book, 
or someone read it to me, called Jimmy and the White Lie. It's a cute little story about this nice little kid, and he lies about something he really wanted, and he tried to monitor it. And so the lie in the pictures of the story starts out a little white glob in his hand. And he lies about it, but he thinks he got away with it until his mom asked him something about it. He didn't want to get in trouble, so he lied again. And this time, the lie was bigger. He had to hold it in both hands. So, of course, only he can see it. But he's carrying around the lies. And then his dad asked him something about it, and it got bigger. And the lie walked beside him down the hallway in the house. And then one of his siblings asked him, and it got bigger. And other people asked him. And when he went to school, other people asked him about it. And he kept lying, and he kept lying until... The picture is comical, but the lie is starting to push the roof off the top of the house. It's, it's, it's in every part of it. And he came to the realization that the only way to get rid of the lie was to admit the truth. And he did. And you know why he said it? Because the lie was ruining everything. You may be here this morning and you believe lies, you settled for them. And I've read scripture enough this week to realize this, that we don't just sometimes believe by accident. See, we want to believe the lies. We reject the truth. And here's what First Thessalonians says, because we have pleasure in unrighteousness. You know why we hold some of the views that we have and why we believe the lies? Because they allow us to continue our lifestyle in the way that we want without having a conscience. And see, that's why we have people who, see, they live together and they don't want to believe that marriage has this and they want to do this in their lives so they can't believe this truth. They can't because they have to believe the lie. It's not that they don't know it. It's not that they hadn't grown up in church. I read an awesome comparison. I'll close with this. I read this week about George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards grew up in a home, and he believed the doctrines of grace and of salvation. And he was so strong, and he was one of the greatest hearts and minds and Christians in the history of America. And at the very same time, Benjamin Franklin was his contemporary. He is also very well known. But he was also incredibly liberal and different and believed so many lies. And you know what I did not know to this week? He grew up in the same kind of household teaching the Bible, going to church that Jonathan Edwards did. I never knew that. He knew, it wasn't that Ben Franklin didn't know the truth. He refused it. He rejected it. And you know why I learned? Because he loved immorality. He loved independence. He loved making his own life and calling his own shots. He could not go back to that and believe it as truth because it would change his life and he didn't want any part of it. You see, lies promise things, remember? Truth promises things. And in verse 25 it says, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. If you believe lies, you will have a certain kind of life. But it is not eternal life. That promise only comes from God and his truth. You today have to make the choice. Will you believe lies? Or you will believe the truth. Everything rides on your choice. Let's pray.
Oh, Father. John has told us very clearly there are lies and there are truth. And we choose, and we choose not because, we don't choose lies because we're uninformed most of the time. It's not a matter of information that we lack. It's a matter of transformation. And there are people perhaps here today that are believing lies that are condemning them. They don't have a true relationship with you. They don't really know your son because they don't know the truth. But Scripture says that we can have the truth and the truth will set us free. Oh, Father, would you do that by your spirit today? Would you set people free? Would they reject the lies and come to the truth and obey the truth and believe it that they might have life in your name, eternal life? And for those who are living here, who are here this morning, who are living the Christian life, but they know that there are lies that they have succumbed to, that they have come to believe because they want to live a certain way. Father, I pray today would be the day that you'd grant them repentance. Only you can give it. We pray that the truth would penetrate their hearts and minds, that they would realize why they're holding on to those lies, why they are denying the truth. And Father, that you would grant them humility and brokenness, that they might come to the cross again anew, afresh. And start to understand and know and live the truth as they should for your glory and honor. Work in these ways, we pray, for your namesake, we ask. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the truth. Amen.